0: All right, no more laughing, sit down. (laughs) It's too much fun. (laughs) So, I guess this... This really is something new to me. This is the first time I'll be speaking into this topic, I guess, for the most part of being someone who's spoken about vulnerability, especially vulnerability for men and the importance of being being vulnerable, being able to open up about the stuff that you've been through in your past so that you can learn the lessons and move forward, um, take the steps towards someone that you want to be. But uh, authenticity and how to be authentically you it's quite new. It's actually something that we spoke about on the phone, I was like, fuck, I, ha- I have to actually write something. <laughs> I have to think about what authenticity means to me. Um, and over the last week or so, that perspective, the way that I approach this, the way that I want to present this has shifted and changed, and I'm allowing that to happen. And so throughout this, it'll be quite wordy, but don't, don't worry about reading it. That's more for, for me than for you. <laughs> Uh, so, first first one straight off the bat, I want to ask, what does authenticity mean to you? And somebody give me an answer, not all Anything at once. Real to yourself. Oh, okay, I love that. Anyone else? Reflecting your true inner self. Mm. Beautiful.
1: Like knowing who you are.
0: All right, anyone else? Also different, I like it. One more. Standing in your truth. Standing in your truth. I'm comfortable in doing so. Yes. Beautiful. What would be your truth? Do you have an idea of what that is? Um, I speak up on injustices, and I'll be the voice for people who don't have voice. Beautiful. I love that. It takes courage. Definitely takes power. Powerful. takes being grounded in the I am to do that powerfully, to show up and not show up from a place of validation or from fear. right? So let's go to the dictionary definition, to be real or true, to be real or true, to be real how, to be true how. So in thinking about this, and this is why it's not for you, (laughs) because it's a lot, in thinking about this, the way that I have viewed authenticity from that place of being real or true, from that place of being, and integrity has, has shifted. And why I feel it shifted is because as human beings living this experience in this vessel, this meat suit, we're presented with moments throughout every day, throughout our life. And within those moments we get to make decisions. And I believe authenticity requires decisions to be made and action to be taken. So decisions and behavior. Because without that, without action, without behaviour, we then can't determine whether or not we're showing up authentically. Whether we're showing up in integrity, whether we're crossing our boundaries or the boundaries of people that we love. So without that, we'd just be this conscious vessel in a state of perpetual thought and contemplation, right? So when when that finally clicked, when the penny dropped, and a lot of them dropped with this, I was like, holy shit. Authenticity isn't really a character trait, it's a decision, it's a behavior, it's something that we get to choose to engage in every moment of our life. And I, I believe that I have, for a large part of the last couple of years, been someone who is authentic. And we can, we can say we are authentic, but no matter how authentic you are, every moment you're going to be presented with that opportunity, and so you still have to make the decision. Am I going to be aligned? Am I going to cross boundaries? So that's, that's my belief or my perspective around authenticity. And to go into that, I guess, you get to decide whether you show up from shadow and wounding, shadow being what you have been through throughout your life, the fear, the traumatic moments, the moments of impact that you've repressed, that you're ignoring, that you're pushing to the side, that you're avoiding. You get to choose whether you show up from that, or whether you show up from connection to, and love for self. So, in saying that, I guess my definition and understanding that as I go on and as I collect up more experiences, understanding that all we are is really a vessel that has a collection of experiences, As my perspective changes, as I collect more experiences, this may change, but for me right now, this feels aligned, this feels true. So my definition of authenticity is to engage with the external world in the moment, from connection to and love for self. Does anyone want to have a go at what they think that means?
1: Cool. Anyone else want to give that a crack? I was going to say all the same kind of thing, honouring yourself and whatever that truth may be and making sure that you're constantly checking what that is because we change every single day and we're allowed to. And in doing so, yeah, it's a beautiful journey in
0: that space. Pow! I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the most profound things that anyone ever said to me is that I'm human, I have the right to change my mind. Because sometimes we get so stuck in a pattern, so stuck in a belief system, whether it's empowered, whether it's constructive, or whether it's toxic and destructive, right? And so as humans, we have the capacity, we have the right to change our minds. So I guess, going deeper on this, like why, why that, that definition? So to be connected to and have love for self means we're connected to, um, connected to, give compassion to, and love our emotions. So that's that's the space I'm coming from, right? Is that emotional awareness, that emotional intelligence, and the acceptance for emotion itself. And why I've started to go down this path, and why that's my perspective, is because last year I took uh, just over 250 men through a vulnerability course, and in being vulnerable the biggest, I guess, difference between the men who went really well and the men who didn't complete the course was their willingness to allow, accept, and embrace emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I guess if we're talking about about the shadow, right, we're pushing, pushing those emotions away, then that shadow needs to express itself. That emotion, if we talk, talk about Sigmund Freud and you know, the stuff that we're repressing or suppressing, at some point, that has to come up. And for a lot of us, that comes out as passive aggressiveness, <laughs> being short, being stroppy, being aggressive, or maybe we're isolated and shut down. And so it's really being connected to that, being connected, having love for your emotion and welcoming that emotion in like an old friend so that you can begin to assimilate that, so that you're not always in this place of, Avoidance. Whatever happened to you in the past, there's a memory there, right? And you think about something that's distressing, something that's stressful, something that's traumatic, and initially that, that moment comes up and it's super visceral. It might create constriction, if you're aware of it. it might make you feel yuck. You might not want to think about it or talk about it. The reason that that moment is so visceral is because there's an emotion attached to it that we haven't regulated that we didn't create safety with in that moment. So when we're talking about the shadow expressing itself, what it's really trying to do is keep us safe. Keep us safe from feeling that emotion attached to that past experience by avoiding it. Coping mechanisms, porn for a lot of guys. I work in FIFO, and every time I ask what a coping mechanism is, what they do in their board, first answer is porn. (laughs) Second answer is porn for me eating mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Food. who who's got a coping mechanism that that they know they jump to eating. It's right up. any cooking any at least you cook it <laughs> i don 't cook it so you 're beating me anyone else yeah, it's right. social, media. social media cool Ooh. beautiful and I 'm the same with social media as well right and then when you create that, that level of depth, that willingness to accept, embrace, bring awareness to an emotion attached to a past experience, when we talk about using porn, eating, going on social media, for me, when I jump on social media, when I'm finding myself getting a little bit bored, without that awareness, without that willingness to feel, I wouldn't be able to discern that me going on social media is me Trying to get away from boredom because under boredom ugh, is this yuck feeling of not progressing. And then under not progressing is this feeling of disappointment in myself. And then under disappointment in myself is not feeling good enough. Yeah? And I guess so you, you have two, two options, right? You have two options, that is to avoid. Avoid what's there. Avoid the shadow. Avoid the emotion attached to that past experience or integrate. And so (laughs) this has come up as well. And this was another light bulb moment for me. And it's the past doesn't determine how we show up in these moments. It's the way we interact with the past that does. Because a lot of us, when we're stuck in victim, when we're stuck in that place, that perpetual cycle where that trauma is compelling us to show up poorly, show up out of alignment, to not be in our integrity, like this little version of me right here, we tend to think that that's all we can, we can ever do because the past determines how we show up. That's happened to me, so I act this way. So I am this person. So it's the way that you interact with it. And this version of me, sorry if you can't see that, Baz,
1: -hmm.
0: That version of me on the right, I'm about 78 kgs. (laughs) That version of me is 78 kgs. That's about 19 years old. I'm an alcoholic. I'm addicted to ecstasy. Uh, And I'm cheating on my high school sweetheart, high school sweetheart, every week. Yeah. So that's, that's the sort of person I was. And I didn't understand that. Those behaviours showed up. And every time I did it, every time I cheated, every time I uh, dealt ecstasy, understanding that my dad who lived upstairs was a top cop in NZ, with his son buying and dealing ecstasy downstairs. Was ecstasy your escape mechanism at that time? Yeah. Right. So me showing up like that, not knowing why I've been brought up, right, I had this mask, this facade of being the good boy, right? My high school sweetheart, her parents loved me. My parents loved the fact that I was the good boy, that I was always smiling, that I was good at school, that I was respectful. Yet I knew inside that I was showing up as someone who wasn't. I was, I was a pig of a, a man-boy, I would say I was. Not, not a man then, more a man-child. But when we go back to the past, and we think about these moments and the emotion attached to them and how if we repress that, how if we avoid that, that becomes our shadow and it has to express itself in some way. And trigger warning, if, if you feel like this is too much, please feel free to go out the room, take a breather, whatever you need to do to center and ground yourself. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything to me at all. I'll come out and have a conversation with you afterwards. Okay. So, understanding that I showed up that way, that I didn't understand why, that there was so much shame and guilt attached to that, yet I kept doing it, going back through my past. My father. At six years old, my father was my hero. And at six years old, I remember him running into the bathroom, putting my head under the water and trying to drown me. And so as a kid then, what I didn't understand is that because my hero had just done this to me, it meant that I wasn't good enough for him. If I'm not good enough for him, I'm not going to be good enough for others, and if I'm not good enough for others, I'm not good enough for myself. So when we think about boredom, especially my boredom and my avoidance to it, and having those layers and then ultimately getting to self-worth, not-enoughness, can be contributed to that. Moving on, from eight to ten years old, I was sexually abused, pretty aggressively, for two years. I remember the first time it happened, and I remember the last time. I remember the moments in between, throughout that two years we'd say, your is too small, it's not as big as the other boys. I remember being shown porn to begin, at eight years old, and so I had a porn addiction since I was eight, until about a year, a year and a half ago. I had inferiority complex around the size of my manhood. And so, although it doesn't make it right, although it doesn't mean I deserve forgiveness, it allows me to be empathetic and have compassion towards myself and the behaviours that I exhibited, the decisions that I'd made and the actions that I took as someone who was inauthentic. Because within that, the last time it happened with him at 10 years old. We are in this hot tin shower and he said, we've got to stop, people going to think we're gay. And so from 10 years old up until about two, two and a half years ago, I would close my eyes, see him doing stuff, and think, holy shit, I'm gay. Not that there's anything wrong with being gay at all, but for a straight young man with straight friends, I wanted to prove to myself that I wasn't. I wanted to prove to my dad that I wasn't, because I believed that if he found out, he wouldn't love me. How many years did that go on, that particular abusive situation? Two. Two years? Between the ages of which? Eight and ten. Eight and (laughs) ten. So when I say looking at the shadow, looking at actually being open to emotion, right, because... Depends on how you show up in the moment. I could still have emotion attached to something traumatic that happened in my past. And that might come up. And it's not coming up to say, oh, yuck. Oh, yuck, don't do that. It's it's coming up to keep us safe. It's coming up to say, alarm bell, alarm bell, alarm bell. We've been through this before. It was traumatic. Don't put yourself in that position again. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is we go to those coping mechanisms. We go to social media, to porn, to food, to drugs, to whatever we need to do to keep ourselves safe, which generally creates detachment from the body, feeling what we're feeling, and going up into the mind, because emotion can't be felt, can't be experienced at the level of the mind. So the two options, avoid or integrate. Now, <laughs> this this picture here is a picture of me at uh, extreme leadership. So. The weekend before, we did Bridge, and I remember being such a shell of myself then, just a shell of myself. At Bridge, the weekend before, I was so, 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 so afraid of having to get naked in the workshop because someone made the mistake of telling me. (laughs) I was so afraid that for the three weeks leading into the first weekend, I was almost catatonic, didn't want to eat, didn't want to do nothing. And I was just so afraid of being naked, so afraid of people seeing what I believed about myself, which was that my penis was too small. And so within this, that first weekend, to end that, to wrap that up, they put you in a circle with your small group and they get your group to tell you what their perception of you is and whether they trust you or not. And me going into that thinking, Man, I'm one of the most vulnerable men I know. I'm one of the most grounded and centered and authentic men I know. For me, getting the feedback from my small group that I was a scared little boy, that I was inauthentic, and that most of that group wouldn't trust me, ooh, that hit me hard, and that gives me goosebumps right now, thinking about that. And so, I guess... For this, for avoidance, that's just another example is me avoiding that, avoiding confronting my belief system, confronting a moment where I was shamed by that guy from eight to ten, all those moments and then you know being in the swimming pool changing rooms and being humiliated. Because of that, because I wasn't willing to feel what it was like to feel inadequate, I become this person who outwardly had to be smiley, who had to be the center of attention. And within that, within that second workshop, I actually, on the first morning, I put my hand up and I said, Preston, oh, I've got this fear, and it's being seen naked in front of everyone. And so I remember getting up, standing up. He pulled this chair out for me and he said, stand up on that chair. And I stood up on that chair and I was going to take my clothes off, smiling and laughing, and he goes, no, it's not a, it's not a performance. This is you accepting this about yourself. And so he made me stand there and eye gaze with everyone in the room. <laughs> he made me feel what it was like to be seen, first with my clothes on, and then slowly undressed myself, and for about 10 minutes I stood there on that chair and eye-gazed with everyone and felt what it was like to be completely bare, to be seen, to be held, to have a room of 100-plus people staring at me, seeing the biggest insecurity that I felt I had. And in that moment, feeling that feeling such safety in my body, such safety in my manhood. I left that place feeling on top of the world. I left that place feeling so comfortable within myself and no longer looking for a way to validate that it was good enough. No longer looking for attention from other women because I needed to prove that I was good enough, that I was adequate. And so, integrate. First, we have to cultivate some level of awareness, right? We have to acknowledge it. We have to actually say, shit, that's there. It's not going away. I can choose to confront it. I can choose to engage with it and interact with it. Or I can choose to avoid. And so, for me, integrating is to choose love and acceptance over avoidance. So that, that emotion attached to whatever experience that we are pushed into the shadow becomes an ally rather than an enemy. And enemy with bunny ear quotes, because that enemy is really just trying to keep us safe, based off of being a child, based off of being a human being who didn't understand how to create safety and regulate their emotion and nervous system in that moment so it could integrate. And so that's, that's where we get to with integration, right? is creating space for ourselves to sit in that emotion, to go back to those moments, and to allow our body to fully feel what it's like to feel the emotion that we're avoiding. And over time, as you do that ACT, Action Conditioning Therapy, when you take that action over and over again, you condition your body, you condition your mind, you condition your nervous system to assimilate it. That alarm bell all of a sudden isn't there because it's not trying to protect you because your body knows it's safe feeling what you're feeling. So how do we deepen integration uh, and love for self? And so what I'll get everyone to do is, can you all please sit up? Sit up straight. I'm just going to do a quick drop-in process. And this is something that that I've done with, with all the men. It's something that I utilize myself, and it's something that I feel has given me the capacity to feel the, when you quote, worst of emotion, the worst of feelings. So uh, eyes closed for this, everyone. <clears throat> so we're breathing into the belly. I'll count this. We're just breathing into the belly. Just do a couple breaths into there. If you're not used to breathing into your gut, your belly, your diaphragm, and allowing that to expand then just put your your hand on your belly button. Eyes closed, Baz. Unless you've got PTSD. (laughs) No? Okay. Alrighty, so we're going to go six breaths in. Let's go all the way in. One. And out. And in, and out, and in, and out, and in, out. Last one, fill up that diaphragm, and in, and out. And just keep those eyes closed, it's important, right, keeping the eyes closed to limit stimuli, stimulus, so that we can be in the body, so that we're not having to process too much. And I want you to go back to a memory, where actually think about a situation that is causing you the most stress at the moment. Maybe it's a host of different situations, but I want you to go back to the memory in the moment that feels most visceral when you think about it. And when you think about the stress it's causing in your life, you go back to that and it's like, oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So I want you to hold on to that, and I want you to take three deep breaths in, and you do it on your own time, and just give me a nod when, when you're done, keeping your eyes closed. just wait for everyone to finish their three breaths but for, for everyone else please feel into that moment go back to that moment as if you're there right now go back to that moment and just become aware of what's alive in the body what's present where, where can you feel it and what does that sensation feel like Is that moment of stress showing up? as tension in the chest, constriction? Is it tightness in the shoulders or the back of the neck? Is it warm? And can you give me a nod if you've got that sensation and that place in the body? All right, so I want you to give me three breaths again. Give me a nod when you're done. Throughout these three breaths, I want you to feel what it's like to feel that sensation in your body. Wherever that is, feel what it's like to fully feel that. And give me a nod when you're done with those three. So we're going to that moment, that moment again, that moment of stress, and we're feeling what it's like to feel, this sensation in our body, whatever that is for you, however that makes you feel. And I want you to label that sensation, label that feeling in the body with an emotion. And see another. Here. The uh, emotion that's coming up for you is frustration and it's anger. I urge you to go a little bit deeper. Understand that often anger and frustration is a mechanism to keep us safe. It's a secondary emotion that's there to keep us safe from something that to sadness. So just a not again if you've got the, that emotion. Right. I want you to give for me three more breaths and I want you to breathe in. Give me a nod when that's done. We're breathing into that moment, that moment that's been causing our stress. We're breathing into that sensation, what it feels like to feel that in our body. And we're breathing in to that emotion that we've labeled that sensation with. And we're feeling feeling what it's like to feel that present in our body to not try to escape, and to know that we're safe. To know that we're helping. So with this one, I want you to feel into that sensation, feel into that emotion, and go back, go back through your life and find one moment that stands out, one moment that stands out where you feel this exact sensation Exact emotion. I want you to give me a nod when that's done. Alright, three more breaths in. Feeling into that, feeling into that past experience, that past memory. Feeling into what it's like to have this sensation in your body, knowing what emotions attached to it, and to feel that, to allow it, to welcome it in like a little friend. No resistance, no constriction, just being there with it. So, this would be the last one just for a drop in. And I want you to be in that moment, to feel that same sensation, to feel that emotion. And I want you to feel if there's another emotion that feels like a better label, that feels more aligned, that feels more true to what it is that you're feeling. And just give me a an nod when you've found that emotion, and if the one you had originally it feels good. Beautiful. So, we're going to take six breaths together, and then we're going to drop out of this state. So, I'll count the breaths, go in for one, and out feel all of that in for two and out go back to that moment feel that sensation feel that emotion allow it in for three and out in for four and out in for five out and the last one, big one in and out on the side <sighs> you already mm-hmm. open your eyes. <coughs> <laughs> Yeah. For me, I could feel the tension on my shoulders, so as soon as you got up, I couldn't actually connect to, no, I was not, not, the emotion underneath it, just going to where the tension was, eventually went through, feeling that feeling, the way of the world on my shoulders, and I feel that when I go to my
1: place at work, you know.
0: Have you ever felt that before?
1: Um, The sensation
0: in the body, have you ever been been with it and just allowed it to be there? Yes.
1: Something I'm taking on a little
0: child. What's the emotion attached to that? Feel it. I actually had that same experience yesterday, mm-hmm. so you're not alone that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, this, this is how simple this gets to be, right? Mm-hmm. When we're talking about integration, when we're talking about the past, it really gets to be as simple as doing a little bit of breathing, identifying what stresses us out right now, because it's usually linked to a past experience and an emotion that we're avoiding. Mm-hmm. What's that? What's triggering us? What's causing stress? When I drop into that, when I breathe into it, what does it feel like in the body, what's the sensation, and then how do I label that emotion? Or what would I label it with? And then depending on how comfortable you feel, go back through the moments that feel most visible. Because the reason those moments are visceral, whether it's horrific, whether it's traumatic, whether it's ecstatic, joy, and love, that moment is visceral because there's an, uh, a uh, an emotion attached to it. So, so you're constantly categorising each house, and mm-hmm. you, know, you have the mm-hmm. it's to test and attach it to a format. Just going through, going through, the emotion, and then what uh, experiences attached to that emotion, and then going down the line. Yeah. Self and all the state of being, right? Correct. Yeah. And the deeper you get into that, and the more grounded you become, and aligned you become, and those different emotions that easier it becomes to be us to be authentic. Correct. So, yeah. so if you want to go a little bit deeper, uh, has anyone read Body Keeps the Score? Mm. Okay. So, yeah. I guess one of the
1: one of the real takeaways from that. You want to go deeper into your daily drop
0: in, doing that? You can go back to that moment and you can engage in a physical action. Maybe it was, because a good example for me is in a breathwork session, I was taken back to this moment where I nearly drowned uh, at our school pool. And to create safety for that little version of me who didn't know how to regulate nearly dying, all Tim did was give me his hand. And I had to pull and pull and pull and he pulled and pulled until wow, well, there was safety created for that and a child for that younger version of me who just needed a hand to pull them out of that pool. And so that's essentially what we're doing. Going back, welcoming that in and creating safety for that version of us in that moment we didn't understand how we feel how to regulate. Other, other ways you can, you can deepen that practices, is, again, with uh, plant medicine, if that's your thing. Uh, finding support you trust. So that's a big one, right? People, people like to find support, but they like to find support in people that they want to admire them, people that they want validation from. And so it's about finding people that you really, really trust, people that you feel aren't going to judge you, that are going to accept you for who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then reflection. Reflection is such a powerful tool and something really easy is three things you did well, three things you get to improve. And the reason for that language, what can I improve, or three things I get to improve, is it's not a failure. It's not something you didn't do well, it's something that tomorrow you can do better. And if we're talking about authenticity being a behaviour, that lends itself to not shaming ourselves, not creating moments of micro-shame where we shame ourselves for not showing up in integrity, not showing up authentically. And so, last one is identify values and boundaries. Uh, does anyone know what their values are?
1: I've been working with this recently. Go. Okay, so my first value is myself self-love, self-care and energy and that has its own sub-categories. Second one is security, um, my personal security, my financial security, to be able to hold myself and my family, all my community, um, security and then it was creativity, so like radical self-expression and authenticity. Mm-hmm. And then it was my purpose, which is to, you know, through my gifts, to be able to awaken mankind, inspire, and um, you know, help others in that way to achieve their own greatness. And then connection um, with like deep love and intimacy, with um, yeah, honouring honouring that. Yeah,
0: so it's I love that so what what um, what has identifying your values created for you in your life and the way that you show up
1: um, It's taken away a few of the gray areas in, in decision making it makes, yeah, makes it, um, <clears throat> situations that would be stressful more easy beautiful because it's just like this.
0: And I love that you say decision-making, we didn't plan this, but if we're thinking about authenticity being decisions followed by action, having values allows us to easily identify where we're showing up as out of integrity, out of alignment, and when we're not. Um, So the reason that that I speak into values is because obviously it takes away those grey areas, it makes decisions a little bit more easy. But also, if we don't understand our own values, if we don't understand the way that we want to show up in the world, how do other people know when they're crossing our boundaries? Because if we don't know our own values, then how can we set boundaries based off of those, right? So without values and without boundaries, we have these imaginary lines, these imaginary fences and boundaries that people are jumping over and it's creating constriction. It's creating stress in our life
1: or we're still bound by the values imposed on us beautiful or we had the conscious awareness
0: exactly um, yeah Yeah. and if we're not aware of that and people are crossing those or we're crossing them ourselves and we haven't put those in place we're either going to build frustration and resentment with other people or frustration and resentment for ourselves. so I guess the ripple effect the ripple effect really is when you're looking to make better decisions, behave more authentically. When you're looking to do that, a big part of this, and I'm sure people who are on the journey at the moment to whatever it is that they want to be, the best version of themselves, self actualization when you begin that journey, you're going to realise pretty damn quickly that your identity is going to have to transition. Mm-hmm. You can't stay with the identity that you currently have, the identity that that makes you up, people's perceptions of you and your perception of how they perceive you, that can't stay the same if you're choosing to show up differently, if you're choosing better behaviours and better actions. And so a part of that is understanding that you may no longer align with your environment and that's okay. It's okay to transition. It's not about cutting people out. It's not about you're no longer good for me, you're toxic, I'm going to cut you out of my life, it's about having compassion for people where they're at, understanding that we're on our own journey, that we can't pull people along with us, and we can't just try and cut people out and shove them to the side, because that then becomes avoidance in itself. So it's how can we approach this transition of identity with compassion, empathy and love, not just for other people but for ourselves as well, understanding our values, understanding the behaviours attached to those and understanding our boundaries and standing firm within that with love, reverence, honour, and respect for ourselves. So this this is me, Lockheed, Mr. CrossFit. CrossFit two times a week, FIFO, cheetah, making a lot of money on the gear. <laughs> Steroids, not not crack. <laughs> on the gear. And being Mr. CrossFit and then transitioning into someone who wants to talk about mental health. Being with a friend group that when we go out, no matter what we're doing, we're always talking about CrossFit, that becomes really hard. When I want to have a deep conversation, people glaze over and then all of a sudden, I'm that guy who always wants to go too deep. And so within that, there comes that, that feeling of, okay, I need to restrict myself. I need to shut myself down and not show up this way. And so what I've learnt is that when you're going through these transitions and when you're transitioning environments, it's not about forcing people to accept you for who you are and who you're becoming, it's about finding and attracting people who do.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: People who see you, like you say, in your greatness. People who will accept you when you want to talk, or go to a depth emotionally, or also having reverence and acceptance and love, empathy, compassion for the people that you're taking one step away from. So, I guess one of the last things is gathering feedback as you go through this transition, right? And this is gathering feedback from yourself. When you show up this way, understanding that you have the tools, the capacity to every day drop into your emotion understand how it is that you're feeling gathering feedback when I show up a certain way when I make this decision that's followed by this action how do I feel about it if there's constriction if there's there's this ickiness or this stuckness then that's your feedback saying you're not in alignment you're not standing in your truth your warrior your king your whatever you want to show up in and so, within that, of course, again, reflection, is there constriction, anxiety, fear, around the way that I'm showing up? And a really good example of this, when you talk about you're the one who stands for injustices, right? Mm. I was the opposite. So for me, growing up in New Zealand, and not being a country Māori, indigenous Kiwi, not being from the country, being from the city, considered plastic. Māori to the people who speak the language. I'm not cultured enough. My perspective anyway. And so when the Black Lives Matter movement happened, I posted something where I said I'm all for it but Black Lives Matter doesn't need to be said and I put a red line through it on social media and it's still on my page. And I did that because I was coming from a place of of fear. I had an integrated those moments in the past where I went to this prestigious college, went for an indigenous scholarship and didn't get it, so therefore, therefore felt rejected by them and then rejected the culture, rejected my last name and rejected any association to it, to the point where when my father tried to learn Te Reo, the language, and he's fluent, when he tried to do that, I made fun of him every chance I could. I mocked the language because I was so scared of what it meant for me to be connected to my culture, what it meant for me to be brown. And so I put that post up. And I got feedback. I got external feedback. Mm -hmm. And that feedback told me, like a big old slap in the face from the universe, that I was out of alignment, Mm -hmm. that I was acting from avoidance, rather than making that decision to show up from authenticity. And another one, this post, I actually just screenshotted that off Instagram. <laughs> uh, I think we've reached a point now of self acceptance with your culture and who you are as a person. Yes, actually, just started using my last name again. <laughs> 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 um, Thanks, and so, this post, I spoke at uh, Happiness Co event and I told my story. And within that, I said, Me getting up here right now, I'm going to lose, likely going to lose people that I love because I'm telling the story. And I was saying that because I was coming from fear again. I was telling a part of my story that I hadn't discussed with someone. And so in telling that and having that recorded, this high school sweetheart who never knew that I cheated on her, who still saw me as the good boy, who had never had any idea, now found out through this video on social media that I was cheating. And so that was pretty bloody hard. But that's a big part of transitioning. That's a big part of stepping into being authentic, being integrated, is owning when you fuck up, owning your mistakes. Because we are human, we're going to make mistakes. No matter what you believe, if you believe you are an authentic person, again, you have the opportunity in every moment to go against your belief, to go against being authentic. And I have done that countless times. But the one thing that I've learned is that when you take full ownership, full responsibility for the way that you show up in hurting people, whether you mean to or not, if your actions cause hurt, emotional hurt to someone else, there's an opportunity there to step into authenticity, to take responsibility and take ownership. And what I've realized within that is that people forgive you. It's so much easier to forgive someone who takes ownership and who takes ownership without putting the blame, it's like, it's not, I fucked up, but, it's just, I fucked up, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I hurt you that way. Intention, so, this, this gets to be a really, really fast one. And this is, this is pretty important when we're talking about having consistency around decisions and behavior. When we're looking to transition or we're in that transitionary period, decisions, followed by actions, behaviour. The intention gets to be flexible. It doesn't get to be rigid. If you set the intention from a place of fear, avoiding that emotion, I'm going to be authentic so that I'm not this, that's likely going to cause rigidity. That's likely going to cause periods and moments where you don't act authentically and all of a sudden you have this goal that you're going to be this and always this. And you You use use that that as one to shame yourself. yourself. Use that to shame yourself, to shame yourself, and put yourself back in a loop where all of a sudden you're back in those unconscious patterns and behaviors. Out of
1: integrity.
0: Out of one. And so this gets to be flexible. So if, on the other hand, these intentions are set from connection to passion for and love for self, it's going to be a whole lot easier to when we do make mistakes as a human being, as this meat suit floating on this spinning rock through space. When we do make mistakes and mess up, it's going to be a whole lot easier to have love, empathy and compassion for someone who is really just trying their best, who is on route to the best version of themselves, who can use those mistakes, those fuck-ups, as a lesson to learn from rather than something to shame yourself into those old patterns. So, what's the time? Three o'clock, okay, cool. <laughs> so, really quickly. Um, and it's really cool for me to be here and to have Slade here, because Slade was like my, I'd say you were my spiritual teacher. Bunny Year's quotes, <laughs> spiritual teacher. Uh, conscious rapper, he was my spiritual teacher while I worked away, and a big part of my story is working away. And so at 19, you heard the sort of person I was, at 19 I was that narcissist, I was that cheater, I was that addict, and I got caught out by my best friend cheating on my partner with his partner. And so instead of accepting those consequences, as a 19 year old I run away to Kalgoorlie. And these two pictures, actually these three pictures, While in Kalgoorlie, I was that same person. I wasted about 300 grand on hookers, drugs, alcohol, everything I could to avoid the shame that that guy down the end felt. Amongst all that chaos, I met someone that I thought I fell in love with and fell in love, bunny ears, because we were just two wounded people that come together to fill each other's void. And this picture, the second one, that's me on site while my partner Is saying, if you don't stop working away, I'm going to take my life. And so there was no empathy or compassion. There was no love there. I only cared about myself, and uh, I stayed working away. Instead, I went to this third picture where I extended from five days away, two days at home, to four weeks away. And she eventually attempted, and still, that man-child. No empathy, no compassion, no understanding that this woman just needed love from the man that she wanted to be with. And so eventually she parted ways, and I'm very grateful that she did because she probably wouldn't be here, and I would still be that same person, hurting people, hurting women, not understanding why, burdened with shame and guilt. But when we split, when she left, this third picture is me on site, during that four-in-one, Deeply depressed, deeply depressed. And I become the guy who was throwing stuff at his crew, who was arcing up at his super Nintendo, superintendent, sorry. <laughs> 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 arcing up at his superintendent and trying to pick a fight with everyone. Mm. And so I got the, t- the tap on the shoulder and I, I got flown out of that side and back to Perth, ended up wasting all my money, finding myself in debt. And um, attempting to take my life, mm. attempting to avoid that emotion, and what I've come to believe in myself, and I understand if you don't believe the same thing, but I, I believe that that suicide is really just the avoidance of being in an emotional state, not wanting to feel like a burden, not wanting to feel like you're not enough, and so that's the place I was in, and I attempted. And I remember seeing my daughter, because at that time, my daughter was three months old, because at that time my daughter was three months old. Uh, Her mother had run away to uh, the eastern states. I remember her going away and being in that moment, crying on the ground after just attempting, thinking holy shit, I nearly took her father away. I remember seeing her, I can see it right now, I remember seeing her walking to school this picture of her from behind and thinking, shit, I'd never be able to walk her to school, I'd never get to tuck her in, never get to kiss her goodnight and she'd never feel like she was enough for me to stick around. And it hurts when I say that because she's five now. Her name's Angel Rain and she's a beautiful little thing, sassy, <laughs> and questions everything I ask you to do, but she is beautiful. <laughs> And moving on from that moment, in that moment, understanding that I was a selfish person, I made the decision to, instead of live for me and hurt the people around me, hurt myself, I decided to live for her. And so I engaged in all the tools, the meditation, the breath work, the reading, did everything I could to become a better man and a better father. I thought I had all the tools, which led me to Wheatstone. I thought I had it all. I thought I had all the tools. I thought I was set, I was solid. I met Slade and I was like, yes, I've got a conscious brother, believing that I was conscious. And then while we were up there, I remember all the guys wanting to go on strike for a suicide. And as a closet attemptee, that hurt. I remember one of the old guys saying he didn't deserve to live. And that really hurt, that spun me out. And so not too long after, I, I walked off my job into the superintendent's office and cried, and he put me on a plane out of there. And So I ended up getting evacuated from Wheatstone for being suicidal without talking to anyone, without messaging anyone or following up with anyone because I was so, so ashamed of myself for feeling that way and for not being able to manage it as this guy who thought he had all the tools. But and speaking about the lows, understanding that to really know what it is to feel contentment, gratitude, gratefulness, the highs. We have to know what the, the darkness and the suffering is. The highs have been, I don't know if you remember, but I was trying to record a podcast, my first one, while we were at Wheatstone. I had this camera, I had this, this microphone this set up, and for about five weeks I tried to record my story. So fearful that I thought I saw, sounded like Kermit the Frog, because my mum told me I did. <laughs> Any time a guy would come back to his room next door, I would turn it off, sit there, and that picture on the end is me sitting there, <laughs> sit there and wait for him to go to the gym or to go to the dining hall or the mess so that I could start again. And it took me about five weeks to record a 20-minute podcast. <laughs> when I got evacuated, I launched it, and the podcast went top 10 in mental health in Australia and New Zealand. It led to starting... Uh, As a FIFO worker, I've been invited to mining companies to speak about mental health, lived experience, what it's like to be a FIFO worker and struggle. Um, And then I created the first ever FIFO Mental Health Summit, uh, which we held in Perth and Brisbane in 2019, held last year, and we've just put an amazing committee together to form it again this year. Uh, After that, contracted with Woodside and a lot of other big companies and then partnered with a company called Happiness Co to create FIFO Happiness. and In the last year, we've worked with maybe 16 different companies in WA, travelled to so many different sites and engaged with thousands of people. And as a part of this work, I'm very lucky and very blessed that I get to have one-on-one conversations with people in mining, do that process with them, drop them in, feel their emotion, and then afterwards give them a big old bear hug. Even if they're a heavy, heavy diesel mechanic, Give them a big bear hug, and let them know sometimes for the first time that even though they're a man, even though they're masculine in a male-dominated industry, they can feel safe in their body and safe with another man. Has somebody ever come to you yet? No. Shambushai? No. They, have to. they should. Yeah, no